Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to episode 454, finishing up our uh, series of episodes uh, on this podcast of uh, English furniture valuations and, you know, reasons uh, to feel one piece is superior over another. So we're going to finish up um, our last episode by talking about tables, dining tables and refractory tables. So oak tables of the 17th century, with their rectangular boarded tops, are now generically referred to by their Victorian title of refractory tables. They evolved from trestle-supported boards and developed into more sophisticated bulbous-legged tables and draw tables. I mean, the draw table would be a table with a second leaf underneath, which pulled out to extend the table. And this was found in the 16th and 17th centuries. These bulbous leg tables became more refined as the 17th century wore on. And from about say 1650 onwards, more types of tables became available, starting with the gate leg. So there are two schools of thought about the smaller type one commonly sees today at auction. The first says that they were side tables, hence the decoration on the frieze is seen on one side only. The second suggests that they were on a raised dais with the decoration and the VIPs who dined at the table facing those on the lower tables. So when one thinks back to the wainscot chair, that we talked about the episode, and the throne concept, the second line of thinking rings quite true. For practical entertaining purposes, tables less than two foot six inches wide would be avoided as they break up even the smallest dinner party. Can you imagine? Refractory tables sometimes acquire new tops, and it is essential to check for signs of age on each. Though now, end cleats are perfectly acceptable. The bases should be slightly stained or a little rotted, where damp and where they set on stone floors have taken their toll. Refractory tables have been widely faked and reproduced for hundreds of years. The original gate leg tables were fairly crude and simple, with column turnings of the legs. Later ones developed more elaborate and decorative turning, including the stretchers. The gate leg form to be <coughs> continued to be used with increased variation over a 200-year period. Though the 18th and 19th centuries, this incorporated the stylistic features of the oak, walnut, mahogany, and other periods. So the gate leg table encompassed all the great wood or timber periods. Early oak gate leg tables had the top held on by wooden pegs, but in the labor, later tables, the top is actually screwed on from underneath and be sure just to look for an 18th century style, style screw. And the disadvantage of the gate leg is that the legs tend to be in, in the way of those seated at it. And in the Georgian period, a popular table was the D end shape. Essentially, one end was a drop leaf flap, which could be used to lengthen it. This, however, had some disadvantage as the gate leg table in that there are still a lot of legs to avoid 
And so the center pedestal table began. With one pedestal or two pedestals or more came into being. These pedestal dining tables have remained very popular ever since, for they accommodate very numbers of people without legs getting in the way. So we're going to end up our uh, furniture series of the English furniture with the dining and refractory tables and uh, pass our episodes on to uh, anyone interested in history, British furniture, timber, great craftsmanship, and good knowledge about our historical heritage. Greg Perry signing off the Historic Preservationist. Thanks for listening.